I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. I'm Stephen Richards. You get to do that now. I know. I was, I was like, hoping I would be able to. Yeah. Yeah, you get to do that now. It's it's in. It's in. Yeah. Um, we'll have to we'll have to talk logo work in the near future. But welcome oh, everybody yeah. to I like to movie movie. Um, apologies for last week's audio issues. I did my best to fix it in post. Uh, we are both somewhat remedial when it comes to this stuff, but uh, it's all gonna clear up and i think the I've funny thing is, is that it could we, we could clear that all those issues up that we've been having with our in-person stuff if we just watch a 10 minute youtube video oh yeah well that's <laughs> it took me about 20 minutes to learn how to fix it as best as i could to get rid of yeah. the echo but even the videos that i watched spoke to me as if i had any sort of working knowledge of how to edit audio and post when mm. i have zero so i had to like start at at advanced video and then pause it when i get to a point where i'm like i don't know what that part means and then research that what that means and i just kept getting down to like you know the video that's like this is play button this is stop yeah. button do you know what a microphone is and you had have to, to incept, uh, incept your way all the way down to the, yes, to the last exactly. level <laughs> if i could have hired the protagonist to just infect my brain with knowledge of how to edit while I slept, it would be a, a perfect fix. Well, you know what? I mean, you could, if you wanted to throw a little scratch at it, you could probably get a, somebody on Fiverr to do it for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, but I don't have $5. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's just not, that's not, that's not the kind of budget we're working with here. I have not launched yeah. the Patreon, um, you know, the hot prop shop. Uh, it's getting whatever it's getting. But uh, we're not we're not yeah. in the business of uh, I spent thirty dollars on this microphone last year and I'm kind of tapped. Yeah, I spent uh, twenty five dollars on my mic, which I don't even have with me now. Oh, so you sound you're great. Getting, you're getting iPad um, vocals now. Nothing but, wrong with that. Yeah, I still haven't recouped that loss. Well, it's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out at some point. Yeah. But um, I am uh. So today we are in honor of the upcoming Creed three which is going to be incredible. And it's going to be uh, Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut uh, in which he goes mano a mano with uh, Kang the Conqueror. It's going to be, uh, I'm Killmonger, super excited B. for Kang. it. Oh, man. I mean, if anybody could bring Killmonger back, it is Kang. Yeah. And um, if only you could bring Rocky back. But in honor of that, we are covering a uh, different fighting movie. <laughs> The uh, UFC, the Rocky of UFC movies, um, talking about Here Comes the Boom with Kevin James. Just kidding. Yeah, We're talking about uh, Warrior with uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, the Gavin O'Connor 2011 sports drama thriller guy cry movie. So we're going to be talking that. I and definitely then, cried. Dude, I cried so much. <laughs> Yeah. It's brutal. And then at the uh, towards the end of the episode, we're going to be counting down some of our favorite sports movies you know what i was thinking about while i was crying if i could just start 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 off going right into it i mean you can i i have to do a small amount of housekeeping first all right all right well you can yeah it's it's, it's a quick point we can just gloss over it but when i was crying during these moments 
I, all I could imagine was like, if there was a girl here right now, she'd probably be like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, but we'll get into why that happened later. But I was like, this is just such a man, a man's man movie that, yep. you know, I'm glad I watched it by myself is really my point. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I was, uh, I revisited Rocky the other day because I'm going to go through the series before Creed and the end of Rocky always makes me cry. Yeah. It's like Pavlovian at this point where it's just, uh, uh, what's her name adrian comes around the corner and enters the the spectrum and the music hits and it just always gets me and like i don't know how to cry anymore because i was raised in a tough love family and it broke my emotions so like i need to be triggered to cry and rocky does it and i was watching it and you know the movie ends and jenna's working on her candles and she's like are you crying? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but she said something very nice. She said, I think it's sweet that you cry to this movie. And I was just like, shut up. Rocky never listens to Adrian. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> shut up. I'm a man. I'm a man. And then I hit the cat. It was yeah. just to prove oh, it. God. And then I fired a gun through a cigarette and bought some porno. It was just a, it mm. was a whole thing. No, I just sat there and cried. And then Rocky 2, the first like 10 minutes of it is the end of Rocky 1. And so uh, the beginning of Rocky 2 always makes me cry because it's the same shit. And then the end of Rocky 2 doesn't quite get me there because it's just not as good. So it's like hmm. they try to recreate it. But um, now I was going to I want to share before we get started. I mean, first off, you can follow the show at Movie Movie Cast. So please like, subscribe, share with your friends. And um, I got to tell you about this thing that I went to last night. I went to a film event and I'm a I'm a, I'm a mite hungover because of it. I went to, are you, are you there? Or did you just disappear entirely? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm getting the dog my side. <laughs> For those, I mean, nobody's I, watching. I'm this listening. is audio. I am listening. So, I'm Steven, sorry. Steven sorry. just disappeared. I forgot the dog was outside and he's only been out of like 20 minutes, but I don't, I don't like to keep him out there. So. Yeah. There's tons of inclement weather in Texas right now, right? Yeah, it's it's sunny, it's sunny and beautiful. Ugh, so all the roads are shut down. Nobody's delivering. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, so that's a callback to a uh, uh, hot property. But um, so what was I your went, event? It was called the Found Footage Festival, and oh, yeah. um, it's not what you think in terms of like found footage, like the Blair Witch Project and all that. It's these two guys that actually collect real items of found footage, mostly just old VHS tapes that they find at thrift stores or that are donated to the cause. And so last night at the City Winery in Philly, which is a has a really cool venue in it, uh, they'd had their latest collection of found footage finds. And um, I laughed myself stupid last night because the shit that they displayed was absolutely insane. And also I was drinking a sampler of the finest wines and um, since the waitress forgot to bring it to me, when when it finally came, they like doubled the pour. So I was mm. feeling real good by the end of it. But um, man, I, I wish you were around because you would have loved this. It is one of the funniest things I've ever uh, attended. It, just the strangest shit, because back when VHS became a thing, that was kind of the first like mass marketed uh that was the first time home video was really mass marketed. Like back in the day, you could buy your own personal film reels, but like a, a VCR, you know, kind of leveled the playing field and camcorders leveled the playing field. And back yeah. then everybody was like, I have a, an ability to play tapes. I have an ability to shoot tapes, but I have no idea what to do with this. So people just filmed anything. And the shit that they were able to find was 
absolutely bananas. <laughs> Stuff that I've, I I never would have thought to have seen. And I just wanted well, to shout this it is out. Not, this is not the first time this has happened, right? This is an annual thing, right? They do this all the time. It's these oh. two dudes. Um, If you've ever seen the viral videos online where you'll find such things of... Uh, Wait, Ken- that's where you find viral videos? Oh, yeah. What? Uh, Ke- Kenny Strasser, the yo-yo I've master. I've been waiting for them to come in the post mail. Oh, dude, day. you got to get with the times, brother. The yeah. the um uh Kenny Strass, K Strass, the Yo Yo Master. No um, idea. So he's this character that uh so these guys uh, the two dudes now I'm forgetting their names uh that run the Found Footage Festival they discovered found in footage one is yes. named Found and the other one is named Footage yes. that's why that's why they it's weird. This thing. Oddly enough, it's actually the one guy's name is Foot and the other one is Foundage. <laughs> so it's it's a whole thing. But um, so Foot and Foundage discovered that when they're touring their show, most morning, like morning television shows, don't really vet their guests. They just need somebody to come in, and so they discovered that if they come in to talk about Found Footage Fest, the anchors on like you know morning talk. Don't ever do any research as to who these guys are. They say their names wrong. So they started appearing in characters or sending actors in characters in their in their stead. So like they've appeared as Chop and Steel, a strongman duo that do strongman stuff, but they're they're both like from frumpy guys and they do but the news anchors have to like take it seriously. Uh Chef yeah. Keith is another character. And he's a guy that like teaches you how to cook with leftovers, but basically it's just him enthusiastically getting news anchors to eat gross things, and they're like, "Wow, this is real creative!" And you know, they they they're forced to play along. Yeah, uh, Kenny Strasser, the yo-yo master, is a guy who teaches kids through yo-yo tricks, but it becomes immediately clear that he is absolute dog shit at doing yo-yo tricks. So he's like constantly getting tangled and knocking things over. And, and so they, they do fun things like that. So they're goofy guys. And this show is commentary on like the, the tapes that they find in their, like they, they have not been caught yet. Well, they, they, I saw a movie at the Philadelphia film festival called chop and steel, which is about them getting caught and about like uh, okay. a very prominent uh, media conglomerate suing them for like, you know, and like their their point is like you're, fucking, su- fucking you're, su- you're suing us for fucking around, but really yeah. you should be talking to your anchors, your journalists who did absolutely no research at all before putting us on the show. Or, you know, or maybe taking a look at the twenty four hour news cycle in general and say, do we really need that? And is this why these are falling through the cracks? And honestly, that that is the answer. Is like yeah. when you have twenty four hours to fill and there's only so much news, you know, you might get a yo yo master on your morning show who sucks at yo-yos and you just have to be like oh great great job kenny and um but yeah they, it was a it was a fantastic yeah. show like they had one of the pieces of found footage that they had and i don't want to spoil too much is they bought an answering machine at a thrift store that still had a tape in it and on the audio tape was remember back in the day when your answering machine would pick up and then you'd grab the call and so it was a recording of a call that was picked up and it's just this <laughs> little old lady with a very sweet and silly voice calling a friend of the family to tell a long story about how she shit the bed the other day. 
And oh my god. It's totally real and it gets dark, but they've managed to present it in a way that's very funny and very wild. But uh I just wanted to shout that out because if you're a film fan, you would definitely enjoy a found footage festival show. And um as for local venues, the loft at City Winery was a uh was a real fun place to take in a show and the wines that I had were all all real good, but I'm a little uh little dried out at the moment as a result. City Winery is not my favorite place, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've I, this is only the first time I've ever been there. Do you have a reason why it's not your favorite place? Uh, cleanliness mostly. Okay, I was just in the back room, yeah. so there was really no opportunity to figure out whether there was cleanliness. Uh, I've seen and heard from friends lipstick on glasses. Ugh. Yeah. There was one of my friends had a crumb in their silverware setup. Like a large, like a big piece of, like a not even crumb, a hunk of food. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. But I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, you know. Hey, the dis- venue dis- was good. Disarm your shout out with shitting on the city winery. For no, it's my, fine my, because my two experiences, one and a half, really. Because one, I, one I was there, and the other one I just heard secondhand. Well, they they won me over because a I didn't get any food, but b I I ordered a wine sampler and it never got brought to me. And then when I asked like, hey, where's the wine sampler? They were very apologetic and brought me back a very heavy, heavily poured yeah, you wine just sampler. Said that yeah, so did I? I didn't know if that was before I hit record. No, but... yeah, you already said that. Oh, cool. Well, <laughs> if you didn't know, see, I ordered the sampler. And they didn't bring it out to me right away. <laughs> I knew you were, as soon as I said anything. That's what I do. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Have you uh have you seen anything good lately, or should we get right into talking Warrior? No, just Warrior. You were rewatching Lost. No, I didn't even start that yet. Really? You sent me like clips of your television that you were filming. No, that was from it. my last rewatch, and I went back and found it in my phone. <laughs> you still have it. I I would love yeah. to watch that again. How would I have gone too? from like season one shit to Frank Lapidus in season in season four? Now you're jumping around. I, like if I was yeah. gonna rewatch Lost, I would probably jump around a little bit. Because, well, they, I mean, uh, they they do it for you in that show. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna start in the 1970s, and I'm gonna yeah. work my way back to the 19 or I guess the early 2000s was it? Yeah, whatever. I I do want somebody to put together a chronological Lost edit. I think you just play season four first, and then you play the rest. No, but like even like in interspersed with like like do all the flashbacks first and then all island shit after that. Uh where would you put the so sideways you start, flashbacks? You start in the seventies. Yeah. And you start with the Dharma Initiative shit. And then you go into like, oh shit, Hurley and uh Sawyer and Elizabeth are already trapped here. Yeah. And then you go into the flashbacks of them before they got on the plane. And then the plane, and then the island, and then all the flashbacks afterwards. What about the side, the side universe from the final season? Bonus content. Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the DVD. The less, the less I can get of Michelle Rodriguez, the better. Also, I, you know, I just edit her out completely. I forgot she was in it. That's yeah. wild. It, there, that really was like that. That had that tied to everything and everybody. Like yeah. so many things that I love. Eh, right on. I just uh, I was watching a uh, Planet Terror the other day, and Saeed showed up in it, and yeah. I got so excited because Saeed was there, and then his head exploded. Yeah, but that's what it gets for torturing so many people, despite regularly promising never to torture ever again. Well, there was one clip I didn't send you where it's the evil Locke is already in play. Okay. Oh yeah, Saeed, evil Locke. 
Saeed, Saeed has died and come back to life. And like Locke's like, all right, let's get going. And Saeed's like, I feel nothing. Happiness, anger, I don't feel anything. And like that is like how I've felt the last few months. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, I really get it, Saeed. I'm with you. You know it would really put some pep in your step. You could torture somebody. Yeah, I've tried. Yeah. Three mm-hmm. times. And just didn't catch? Well, it was always myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was always the best, though, when, to- when he would be like, I swear I will never torture anyone again after this torture that we need to do. Yeah, this like, is so the one. We, got, we need some information out of this guy. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll torture them. And then, like, they'll just be like, oh, man, we got to get some information. He's like, well, I could torture them. They're like, you said that, <laughs> that you didn't want to torture anybody. We We figured we'd just ask him. And he's like, you're right. I'll do it he's this like last the, time. He's like the Jack Bauer of torturing. It doesn't take a lot to get him back in the game. No. No. He's like, man, the sun here is torture. And he like bursts out of the bushes. Did somebody say torture? Like, Saeed, <laughs> calm down. Didn't you promise never to do it? He's like, I did. And this one will be the last one after two more. We'll do two tortures. And then yeah. I will do this torture. And then we will stop. I'll stop torturing because I can't possibly. Did somebody over there say torture? I'll be right back. Three more tortures. Three tortures. No, we said we said horchata. You want me to torture the horchata? <laughs> Where did you get the horchata? Oh, I don't know. We found it. I will get this information out of you in any way I can. <laughs> that we found it in the luggage. I don't <laughs> fucking Saeed, man. But man, that guy's yeah. great. What's his name? Naveen Naveen Andrews. Naveen Andrews. Yeah. yeah, great actor. He's the man. But um, I guess we should get into. Should we get into Warrior? Yeah. What'd you think of it, man? It was awesome. You liked um, it? Okay. Yeah, good. it was really great. Uh, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I was supposed to watch it last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where this is going. Um, yeah. Did you just finish it? So the reason I need an extra 20 minutes is because I just <laughs> Well, I appreciate that you opted to finish the movie because I know plenty of people yeah. who wouldn't even try that. They would be like, yeah, I'll just make my way through it. Well, so, like, so I didn't have time to, once you texted me at 10, thank God you did, because <laughs> I had, like, just enough time to to get it ready to go. It's and a long so, movie. It's, it's like, 210, yeah, 210. Yeah, 220, so, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's why I needed an extra 20, because I started yeah. it when you texted me. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, because I got, I got home yesterday, and I was so beat, I went to bed at, like, 8 o'clock. Yeah. And, um... Then so I started the movie, and I, so I didn't have time to shower yet. Yeah, and so I'm like, I feel like a dirty piece of shit. My eyes are still crusted over from crying multiple times during this movie. And uh, overall, though, I, it was totally worth it, man. And I, I, I'm I'm surprised and kind of upset with myself that I slept on it for so long. That's how I felt like, when I first watched it like two years ago. Yeah. I was like, this is extremely my shit. I I, I kept passing over. It was on my netflix list when it was mm. on netflix um it was on my hbo max shows you might like and i'm like yeah i'll probably watch it eventually and so i'm glad like, this isn't this, a show this forced me to watch it um because man i was missing out yeah Do, are you at all a uh, ufc watcher no back when we had um our mutual friend who was really into it i would i would go over to his place we'd what we could get the fight or whatever and like yeah. i I would be I would be interested in it just because he was interested in it and yeah. um like that's how I watch football. Yeah, so exactly. Like I, I like I like sports in yeah. most venue in most 
I watched rugby yesterday because the only thing that was on. Nice rugby's fun. I had man. no idea what the fuck was going on, but like that's so I will watch the sport even if I don't know how it works. MMA, I get whoever wins, you can tell who's winning. Yeah, yeah. I, see, that's why I ultimately like my favorite sport to watch is boxing. And I, yeah. I don't follow UFC, but I do catch it quite frequently because I like the idea that it's like, you know, this is just two people that train their asses off and it all comes down to this. And yeah. I think that's why my favorite sports movies are the boxing ones, because like it lends itself most to having characters build up to this big moment you know like it's hard to take a whole football team and have however many players that is all have a unique story that builds up to you know the final fight and so with boxing with boxing it's just that's that's a great way you can develop one character or in the case of warrior two characters to lead to a fight and you know with this like one of the things that i dislike about watching sports is you might just get a boring game Sometimes the fight sucks, the game sucks, it just doesn't work. But in movies, I like because due to the fact that it's a movie, we know that this sporting event is going to be the most important one that has ever happened to any of the players. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be everything on the line because that's what makes a movie. And so, you know, UFC lends itself to really capitalizing upon that sort of emotional arc. And they do that in a really unique way in this one by having three uh yeah i'd say three different investments kind of mm-hmm. attack this tournament and let's in go through ways. so let's start with with nick nolte nick the nolte. father which i like how they came in and this is a unique thing i'm using that word a lot because this is a unique story but they started out nick nolte's uh storyline kind of at the end because you, you you know you think like going through he starts you know he starts out as somebody who's almost a thousand days sober mm. being met by Tommy played by Tom Hardy um drunk at his doorstep and he's like come have a drink with me come have a drink with me he's like no I'm sober blah blah blah, blah. and so you kind of find Nick Nolte at the end of his story almost because mm. it's like he's come to terms with all this stuff he's had to deal with it his whole life he hasn't seen Tommy in 14 years he's estranged from Joel Edgerton's character, um, whose name is escaping me. You know, it's funny. I had him because I was I made a couple lists about the characters that we'll get into, and his list is titled "Other Guy" because I just couldn't get his name. But it's Brendan. Brendan, yeah, Brendan, Brendan yeah. So he's estranged from Brendan, and like we find Nick Nolte at, like I said, the end of his character arc of his story, and being. I think he's re- in like the uh, the make amends step yeah. of twelve he's in the steps. Denouement. Yeah. And seeing this kind of and being exposed again to his sons and the fighting world, you know, obviously we're getting into spoilers now, but like he doesn't have. We can spoil, we're spoiling. End up having a relapse and being and having a great emotional scene with Tom Hardy. Um, But I I thought that was a, a bold choice to actually have the relapse in there. Yeah. Um, that that's something that I I think if I was looking at that in the script, I'd be like, I don't know if this works on paper. I think it like weakens his character, but then you see it in action, and it like really humanizes his entire struggle. Like it it takes it from being your standard alcoholic redemption story, and really puts a human edge on it. I I, I it's such a I, heartbreaking I, moment when he relapses that yeah. I think it like really drives home a lot of what this movie's about. It also starts the healing process for Tommy. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because he realizes he triggered that that relapse. Yeah, and that's I think that's ultimately why I hate spoiling the very end of the movie so early in our conversation, but I think that's why he ends up tapping out at the end. Yeah. Um, I did not. So then you have they have Tom Hardy's character who shows up mysteriously after mm. 14 years and he's uh talking all funny that's not funny tom, tom hardy does that yeah and he's tom hardy and he has a symbiote attached to him that has an insatiable yeah. hunger he's full of venom yep no but he's uh he's not going through anything that's good and he shows up drunk and he rambles on about how his dad's a piece of shit and how he takes mom take care of his mom during cancer which is terrible and um then you kind of see the foil of that which is brendan joel Anderson's character and who's got you know a house a family a crazy uh, hot wife oh my god crazy hot wife crazy hot wife then, who, who loves him so goddamn much it's unbelievable yeah. but then you find out that they're gonna lose their house and so as you see like you see all these like initial pieces kind of setting up where oh and then this is all interspersed, by the way, with um, UFC commentary on the news saying like, "Hey, there's a there's a great new tournament. In, oh yeah, that's going on the Sparta Koba. tournament." And so when you have all these pieces together, it turns into kind of like a formulaic um, movie. But when they do it, man, they do it so fucking well. Yeah. Well, what I like is it's formula executed perfectly, but. Like you're saying, it's three separate formulas. Each of those stories could be a whole movie. Yeah. And so to be able to balance them and juxtapose them against one another is a really deft balancing act when it comes to script. You know, even down to the point, like, the way it even develops, like, I understand why when the dad left, Brendan went to live with the dad while Tommy went to live with the mom. Even though it's not explicitly stated. It's not explicitly stated, but yeah. you have that great line where Brendan's like, you know, one of the reasons I went with you is because I thought maybe it would make you pay more attention to me. Because yeah. he like, and so like we get their background of the one of Tommy being the star athlete and Brendan being, you know, the you know not the star wrestler, but living in the shadow, who ultimately does become some sort of professional fighter for a little bit. You know, you've got uh, Tommy feeling betrayed, so not even telling Brendan that the mom was dying, so then she died alone both of them resenting the father for putting them in this situation. And it's so brilliantly balanced because you can really point the blame anywhere, but it really is an amalgam of just everybody made their own mistakes as triggered by one another, not necessarily equally, but in all directions that just created this disaster that even though it feels like formula is not an uncommon thing. Like I've seen families broken in very similar ways and it's just a, it's heartbreaking how they do it and with movies like rocky like one of the the things people complain about rocky especially in the sequels that i think of as a feature rather than a bug is it's very earnest in how cheesy it is the dialogue is very sing-songy and quippy and they use that here it's melodramatic is probably the best way to describe it yeah yeah. and they use the melodrama here and it's like real easy to be like okay and roll your eyes at it but the earnestness gets it across the finish line my fa- one of my favorite lines that uh, Tommy says to Brendan is when they meet on the beach, which that was the only kind of jarring moment for me. Everything else felt natural, except for when they're walking towards each other on the on the empty Atlantic City beach. I'm like, where did 
like there's no way you would find yeah anybody that's like finding a needle in a haystack trying to find anybody in ac without the use of a cell phone yeah and yet they just have this like really epic meeting if you talk about melodrama like that scene that covers it i have a note and i just said who planned that meeting yeah because like one (laughs) of them had to plan it but they clearly surprised one another they were both but but maybe that's a thing that family just loves to brood on the beach and so there we go tommy has that great line where brennan's trying to show him photos of his nieces he's like i don't know them he's like yeah but their family is like i don't know them. why are you showing me photos of people i don't know yeah and oh that's heartbreaking he's like he's like well they're my family he's like well okay well who are you yeah i'm like oh fuck (laughs) he's he's like tommy's rather cruel in the way that he speaks but it's motivated well like i understand why he's pushing everyone away you know he feels pushed away he doesn't you know he's got that he has he has a great line that like it's one of those things where i'm like i don't think a real person would say this but it's perfect melodrama he says something to the dad um because the dad says that he's like not seeing anybody's alone and he says it must be hard to find a girl who can take a punch these days yeah that was a good line it's a brutal line but it does all of the exposition we need we now understand that the father was abusive you know um and he also has that really great line um something about how you know he's like you know i i prayed for a mom and all that and he's like yeah well i guess jesus was just down at the mill forgiving all the drunks yeah brutal yeah. brutal and it was just a really smart way of like showing tommy's resentment towards his dad but also the dad recognizing like i don't deserve this second chance that i've gotten and yeah. truly good people in my life never even got a, a first chance and i'm partially a catalyst to that oh yeah really brutal stuff but yeah i don't know who arranged that beach meeting and he does say i've been looking for you all day and it's like i guess and he... i don't know i don't know who said it i don't know uh, which one said it Brendan said it. I've been looking for you all day. And it's just funny because it's like, and I guess he ultimately decided to check the beach at the end of the day. He didn't go to the, to where they fight. He didn't go to the hotel where all the fighters are staying. Uh, He didn't go to any of the the training rooms. He didn't just contact his dad who he knows at that point is training Tommy. Nope. He wandered until they found each other on the beach. Yeah. But that's one of those things where I can hem and haw over whether it makes sense or not, or I can just appreciate the fact that's that if why, you want an yeah. epic throwdown, an epic emotional throwdown, you want to put it on the beach. It's got to be on the beach. It's got to be on the beach. The beach of Atlantic City. No yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, um, that's how Rocky and, and Apollo trained in Rocky Three, running on the beach. Drama happens on the beach. Of Atlantic City? No, three went to Los Angeles, so I guess it was probably California somewhere. No, it's uh, got to be Atlantic City. Got to be Atlantic City. You got to dodge all the hypodermic needles. Yep. You know, it's 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 a it, it adds an extra flavor to um what's going on. The flavor of soft pretzels. Um, fucking my favorite character in the entire movie. Can I guess? The, yeah. Is it Frank Grillo, the coach? No, uh, no, but Frank Grillo, by the way, man. Who plays Frank Grillo in this movie? He, he looks, you know how like you go back and watch like Walk Tall with Dwayne Johnson, and it's yeah. like before he started like juicing. Yeah, he looks less and, vascular. And even though, even though he's stronger at that moment than I will ever be, he still looks yeah. like he has baby arms. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Grillo has baby arms in this movie, and I'm like, but he can still whoop the fuck out of me. Oh yeah, I think he looks out the wrong way. I think he, he does so like young. fight training. I mean, this is a this movie is now twelve 11, years old, so 11 he is years old, yeah. twelve years old. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's 2023. Ouch. I'm still stuck in 2022, if you can't tell. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, so wait, no, but who is your favorite character? It's obviously not Frank Grillo as himself. Feel the, the music. The Feel the Beethoven. Yes. Oh, who was that guy? I recognize him from stuff. Yeah, I thought you would know. Um, I feel like he's been on Always Sunny or something. Yeah, no, he's been in a couple of things. I got. I, I'm like. I'm on. I'm on IMD, IMDb right now. I do love that he has an arc though. Like he's trying to be professional, yeah. even though he's a fan of UFC. And Kevin even. Dunn. Kevin Dunn. And I love that when the kids want to do an event, he's like, listen, I just can't do it. And then it's just him watching the fight at home and then running yeah. into the kitchen to tell his wife how happy he is. That was <laughs> one of the moments. That was one of the moments where I teared up. Because I was it's like, so this good. guy, this guy really wants him to succeed. Yeah, he wants him to succeed, but he wants he's got to be a professional. But then I love that he ultimately goes and watches with the kids and realizes, yeah. like, hey, this is what's important here. Oh, that okay. He was not in Always Sunny, but you, I, I guarantee you, you remember what he, what he's from. What I say, I, yeah, that I he can't was place it. that he was Sam Witwicky's father. My God, of course he was. <laughs> R.I.P. Sam Witwicky. Dude, that's so funny. Of yeah. course he was. Yeah, he was great, and he felt real. He felt like every principal I've ever known. He also has my second favorite line because I wrote this down too. When so when Brandon gets suspended for fighting in the parking lot of a strip club to make oh, yeah. money which is a great a, another great entrance into his character without too much exposition because it's like you, okay so when he pulls up he's like all right pull up to the club now don't worry it should be a uh yeah, a quiet night, night yeah. because it's it's only an open mic and then they cut to a boxing ring i'm like he's on the other he's on the other side of that boxing ring i know it. oh yeah oh yeah it's such it's such a great scene but then when he gets caught and he has to go back and kind of answer for his crimes to the to the superintendent or whatever. He walks into the principal's office and the principal says, oh, he, the, Joel says, sorry, Brendan says, um, it's not as bad as it looks. He says, <laughs> he says, are you talking literally or figuratively? Because literally it looks like shit and figuratively it looks worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> I have a note here about Brendan before we take a break that I just wrote. Brendan's a cool guy teacher. I love that he's a cool guy yeah. teacher. He's the cool guy. Another another great non-exhibition thing is that we see him teaching. We open up to him teaching with by having one of the students smash something with a bat. Yeah. And yeah. that's a cool teacher thing to do. Yeah, they show you the science. Yeah. They show you the science, and then they reference a cool thing like Lost. Also, I will say that – how much time do we have left for the break? Uh, about three minutes. And I do have right. one, I want to write to, I, one line from Kevin Dunn that I loved when he's like, the superintendent is on his way here to deal with you. And Brendan just kind of like brushes it off. And he goes, and the and principal goes, that guy hasn't been in a school since 9-11. <laughs> Holy shit. That's dark. But it really um, gets the point home where it's like, this guy does not have any relationship with students. He's all business. He's here for damage yeah. control. And that's it. Great That's why when he, when he shows up at the drive-in that the kids obviously took care of to get a viewing of the UFC fight. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, that makes that makes sense that he's there. But my last point about that is that I will say that that drive-in thing broadcasting UFC fight is highly illegal. It's, oh yeah, I guess because <laughs> yeah. of uh, pay-per-view rules and stuff. Yeah, you need for every like it depends on the size of the screen and how many screens you have playing, but you have to pay a premium for a screen that size. And you have to get it approved by UFC. 
I like to think that those kids, there's a third movie, Warrior Warrior 2, the prequel, where Warrior all of the, Warriors. Warrior Warriors, where all of those kids uh sold like just an offensive amount of candy bars to yeah. to fund it. That's that's what I'm gonna choose to believe. Or one of them works at that drive-in. Because I when I worked at the movie theater, I would have said, fuck yeah, we're not showing the 9 p.m. movie of Madagascar. Come on in and watch the fucking fight. Yeah, that's true. It's like, you got to catch me. Also, yeah. we don't even know if this is pay-per-view because I think it was like an independent thing because one of the minor characters was the dude who put it together. And they always cut to him. They're like, this guy's putting together. They're putting it all on the line. And he's just like, <laughs> they just show him like waving as he sits down a hundred times yeah. because Koba... The giant man who's clearly in a different weight class than every other competitor in the movie <laughs> I'm is glad putting his title on the line. <laughs> we'll talk about that after the break because I, I have a lot of things I want to say about that. Too. All right, we'll, we'll take a break now. We're going to do a quick uh, ad read and we'll be back to talk more Warrior. All right, sure. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. So um, one thing that I that I was looking at my notes during the break that really made me laugh is when the movie started, it became very clear that the score by, I think it's Mark Isham, Mark Isham, who Gavin O'Connor, the director of this movie, uses quite a bit, um, was very based on Ode to Joy, the uh, Beethoven uh, uh, yeah. orchestration. And then later in the movie, that's Frank Grillo's big advice is feel the music feel the beethoven i don't know what the fuck that means i guess it just means tapping into a flow while you're fighting but um well they they know the the commentators at the end during the tournament mention it it's because it keeps your demeanor calm even when you're even in the heat of battle uh, oh yeah and that ultimately was brendan's uh entrance music yeah yeah very cool but what i like about brendan well, hang on. I want to go back to what we talked about before the break. Yeah, let's go to that. I, I lost that. Coda. Thread. Is it Coda? Is that his name? Coba, yeah. Coba. Coba. Cobra. Did not belong there, man. No. He is twice the size of every other fighter. Everybody. And that's not only because they put him that big on the promotional materials in the background. Like, he looks he looks huge. And then he's huge. When, when he's fighting Brendan, I'm like, this is like when... Like this is like watching like two siblings fight in the living room, and yeah. one has like a five year difference on the other one. It it's it's the one thing that about this movie that I want to roll my eyes at, despite all of its earnestness, is that everyone's like, "This is it, Koba is putting his title on the line," and it's like, "Yeah, but my money is like on Koba wholeheartedly." Yeah. Like he's he's that's like. You know, that's like me being like, "All right, I'm gonna enter a, uh, you know, I'm gonna enter a." Uh, I don't know, we'll call it a, a cheeseburger eating competition against this newborn child. It's like, of yeah. course I'm going to win. Yeah, Koba, uh, but There's... what I do like about it is Koba does, without actually establishing a villainous arc the way that they do with Ivan Drago in Rocky Four, and I would say fail at doing so, uh, they don't need to give him a villainous arc. It's just, he's big and tough. Like, he's neither good nor bad. He's yeah. just he's just a plot driving device. And so I think it ultimately works despite being frivolous. Even after Brendan beats him and like, he got like Brendan gives him the most genuine hug after the match. And you just, and like, you see it from Brendan's back. So you see Brendan's back and you see 
Koba's uh, face, and Koba's like, "All right, all right, yeah, you did <laughs> whatever, <it>. dude." <laughs> you know what? that brings me to something like, but he's I'm not, not like he's not like he's not like pushing him off of him either. He's like, "Yeah, okay, you're right. come on, big guy." Like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, was very, it was a pretty sweet moment, I think. Well, and it's Koba again, not being villainous and just being like, you know what? I put my title on the line, and this guy beat me. And I think yeah. it also represents like. You know, by the end, people are rooting for Brendan, not because of his history as a fighter, not because of anything, but just because, like, you know what? This dude is just some guy who showed up and put in the work. And I, yeah. I would imagine Koba can respect that. Like, I like that there's an inherent sportsmanship vibe that within this UFC or whatever league they're doing. Uh, I, I like Tom- that they, yes, except from Tommy, but even he, like, he. I think he respects the hustle of it. He just is so closed off that he doesn't want any of the showmanship of it. I like think even it was, after he levels really a guy, rude. he's out. I, I think it was, I, really I think it was, was doing. I think it was really rude too. I don't think his intentions were to be rude so much as he was just dismissing the showcase of it because he just wants to fucking get the money to pay his buddy's uh, wife, which is another well, crazy thought, story. Yeah, I, th- I mean, let's go into that because I thought that the reason he the reason that he set it up so that he would go in get a handful of punches off sometimes even one punch off and get a knockout his, his first fight then, when he just fucking killed that yeah. dude that's a great moment and then he just books it out of the ring after every match and i'm like why is he doing this shit and then at the end when you find out that the military police are there to arrest him after the event yeah that i, I put i put a bunch of stuff together i was like maybe that's why he was rushing through everything so he had he'd have more time before the military police showed up. Before, well, exactly. Before the, before the story got leaked and then people like understood what was actually going on. I think it's a mix of <laughs> of him not wanting the the fanfare because that's just not his style. Like he's he rescued those dudes you know by ripping the door. He ripped the door off a tank and um he rescued them and didn't want any of the glory, just peaced out because he was bugging yeah. out. So I think it's a mix of that, but I think you're right. It is mostly like he doesn't want any FaceTime in front of that camera that's unnecessary because he knows his time is limited. But yeah. I also, and I think it speaks to both because why does he not choose intro music? Because he doesn't want the fanfare. Why does yeah. he get out of there? Because he doesn't want the camera on him. But um, I do think in terms of like proper sportsmanship, it's all very rude. Yeah. Um, but that's his character arc though. Is like, he's not a bad guy. His heart is in the right place. He's fucked up and he's had a bad history. But he's gruff. He's abrasive. He's he's not somebody that I would feel comfortable being in a room with generally, you know. And the whole thing isn't about his benefit anyway. It's for the benefit of the friend, the brother that he lost in the war. Yeah. In like a he, friendly he, fire incident. Oh, yeah, shit breaks my heart. Up, yeah, that was fucked up. But yeah, what a great what a great I would say that's even a twist, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Well, when it like went like midway through the movie, when it just suddenly smash cuts to like a rock or Fallujah or something, I was like, "What the fuck is this movie?" I thought, so, like, yeah, let's talk about that for a second because it cuts to Iraq and there's this dude that finds the video and he, the the classic trouble. Like, wait a minute, pause that. Yeah, and run it back, like, enhance, re- rewind, stop right there. Uh, <laughs> like, and it stops on Tom Hardy's face and like, like the dude, the dude that is like having this revelation. I was like, is there a third brother? And he's going to come in and also fight. But uh, that didn't end up being the case. But because he looks similar enough. Oh, yeah. And also, let's talk about that for a second. Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy, 
look like brothers. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, though, I don't know if they look like brothers in a vacuum, but they look like brothers when their father is Nick Nolte. Yeah. Like, he's the glue the that casting, makes that work. It's phenomenal. The casting is so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, But what was I, what else I was going to say? Fuck. I had another good point. I forgot what it was. Something about uh, uh, but, the third also, brother. It's yeah. funny that they're both they're both British, right? Um, I believe so. Yes, and, and they're, they're both in this movie. They're both considerably younger than I am now, which which hurt to do the math. Oh god. <laughs> um, and then, but they're also so they're both British, and then they they're playing like they grew up in Pittsburgh, and then yeah. Brendan moves to Philadelphia, but somehow they all have Boston accents. Yeah, well, they're <laughs> I think they're they're supposed to be like Irish Boston guys, you know, okay. Patty. Uh, the dad's patty yeah but they grew up in pittsburgh Did, yeah well i mean i guess it's the same i think it's like meant to just be like blue collar gruff kind of guy yeah hey go, going down to the mill that's a boston thing yeah you know? yeah except it's a steel mill because it's pittsburgh you know as opposed also, to a it, racism mill besides the b-roll of like philadelphia skyline none of this film was shot in philadelphia none absolutely of it. not yeah, when, no, I... when they show Philadelphia and then they show Joel Edgerton's neighborhood, I was like, yeah, that's not a real place. That's definitely the suburbs of L.A. Yeah, yeah. it's like, that's the suburbs of L.A. pretending to maybe be Strawberry Mansion. I don't know. but I, um, I would say maybe Bucks County somewhere. The Philly that I don't act, that I haven't earned, that's in me, the Philly in me was like, oh, he's a mainliner. <laughs> God, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Despite yeah, the fact real. that I'm a yeah. fucking South Jersey transplant. <laughs> well, I was like, I, well, I just realized the other day that I've been living in Philly longer than I've lived anywhere else. So I guess I, I, I get, I get to have that moniker now. But um, as soon as they cut like from the Philadelphia skyline to Drollers in this house, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> God, <laughs> fake. Yeah, it's yeah, like that... when I watch Twenty One Bridges, which is the. It's like had the opposite effect where that movie takes place in New York City, but was very obviously shot in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, the, there's a, a regular thing that happens now that in film circles referred to as Toronto Delphia. And it's when yep. Philadelphia shows up and you're like, that is 100% Toronto. Like yeah. that's that's the Toronto skyline entirely. They didn't even bother right. to to just to go into Google Images. And they just had somebody holding up a sign that says "Welcome to Philadelphia." Yeah, in front of, in front of the B, in front of the B roll. And he's just like wearing like a like a Maple Leafs jersey as he does it. They just don't even bother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's something that um. Although one of the cool things uh, that's one thing I love about the Rocky movies. Wait, wait, is but they on do the Maple Leafs jersey, Toronto is crossed out. This is Philadelphia. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's a um uh you ever see World War Z? Yeah. It's like a decent movie. The scene that happens on Market Street in Center City was actually shot in an area of Scotland where they built a mini Market Street because when they wanted to shoot in Market Street in Philly, the dark night was getting pickup shots in that area for small pieces that were gonna represent Chicago, Gotham in the dark night. So because I would Chris hate good but like there's there's pictures online of areas in scotland where they have like giant green signs that say like you know 76 east to columbus on it and things like that because you know they're just trying to do it it's it's fascinating i feel like the unsung heroes of movies are the scouting agents oh without a doubt because they have to they have to figure out how to make 
Toronto looked like Philadelphia. Philadelphia looked like New York. Chicago yeah. looked like New York. And you got to do it in a way that people who aren't from there will go, oh, that feels like Philly to me as an outsider. And people who are from there don't go like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like, you know, which is why it's always fun to watch a Shyamalan movie or, or Hustle with and a great yeah. sports movie with Adam Sandler that uh, he runs up the spooky steps in Maniac. And, he um, runs up Green Lane, and then all of a sudden he's on Leverington Ave. Yeah, but that's like right. that's how it works. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, well, somebody did uh the Rocky uh when he starts running in South Philly and then gets to the museum and he goes through the like if you actually if you go chronologically past all the landmarks that he does in that run he runs something like forty miles. <laughs> it's just like yeah, you can't do that. It's uh and like they and like they for people out of market they have something here called the Rocky Run every year, which is like a um an abridgment of that run. It's just Kelly Drive up into Fairmount and back. Yeah. I've done it a couple times, and here's the best part: if you do the Rocky Run, it ends at the Art Museum steps. But because it would be a nightmarish lawsuit if somebody at the end of a half marathon ran up those steps and fell down, the steps are actually barricaded. You cannot run up them at the end of the Rocky Run. You just run by them and give it a little salute as you go by, which makes sense. That's, but also, it's like, come on, that's like, uh, you know, that's like really not getting your fucking orgasm off, you know? Yeah. Although yeah. I got to say at the end of that, like when I did the half marathon version at the end of that, I was so fucking spaghetti legged that as I walked, as I like, you know, finished and stumbled across the finish line, I looked at the steps and was just like, Oh, fuck you. I will never. I was like so mad. I'm like, how dare you request that I ever use my legs for any reason steps. Cause I was just so mad at my legs at that point. It hurts so bad. Um, Do you remember when we, when we beat our meat on the, uh, philadelphia steps oh yeah i was absolutely beyond wasted that night i still remember yeah. uh, how <laughs> they fucked had, up it was that night they had a huge like leg of cow hanging on the philadelphia museum steps for a midnight on, show on a rock, hot summer night on a hot summer day for an evening show on a big projector of rocky and dan and i um that you got to like take a photo of you hitting the punching the meat like he does in the movie but it was like really Again, it wasn't nothing's like in the movies, as they say, because we had to like put on special gloves, put on hand sanitizer, and then you know, you got to hit it like three times. It was pretty gross, but I will say this I used that shot of me hitting it as my stand up comedy headshot for like five years, and it, it was always got a great response for a long time as well. It's a great photo of me. I look like yeah. I know what I'm doing, even though I don't. But let's talk about that. That should be that should be the thumbnail of whatever <laughs> of your uh, Instagram post for this episode. I mean, I just, if I can dig it up, it's somewhere in my Facebook. But we should talk about that. One of the things that I really appreciate about this movie that a lot of fighting movies uh, either come up short or fail with is A, in the way that they shoot the fights. Um, it, there's no moments where it doesn't look like someone's catching a hit or it doesn't look like they're actually fighting. It doesn't look choreographed. But I think that the rhythm of each individual fight has its own story arc that fits yeah. in with the larger story arc. And so the second half of this movie is the tournament, you know, like it, it's really just a series of fights, which is a pretty bold choice construction wise, you know, like, cause when they get to the, the big event midway through the movie, my first thought is like, are we already here? And then they tell so much story through that and through the fights themselves that it does validate the second into third act of just action, you know, not just action, but you know, yeah 
action heavy. And I think a lot of that has to do with the internal rhythm of each and every fight. Yeah. And I, I like how, um, speaking of that rhythm. Because even that Koba moment at the end wouldn't work if the Koba fight didn't have its own internal conversation, you know? Yeah. And when, like, when the writing started to become on the wall, I was like, all right, so they're going to fight off in the the final match. Yeah. We have have to get it. I mean, the Um, poster of the movie is the two of them fighting. So it's pretty clear that this is what this all building to. Um, but like it wasn't it wasn't even about like I'm not even mad that was spoiled for me by the marketing materials, but like I was like there for the ride, you know. Also, and, like that's why we're here. You know, you don't you yeah. don't set up this movie and not have them fight. That's fucking ridiculous. But the fact that like as they're getting ready before they square off and they touch gloves and like Brendan tries to tell Tommy something, Tommy just turns away, doesn't even give it any time of day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the audio just pretty much cuts out. And all you hear is like the the ref echoing in the background, like "Are you ready? Are you ready?" And fight, and they're like, "It's no, dead goes, silence." He goes, "Go it's to dead war!" Silence, dead silence as they run towards each other, and then as soon as they start hitting, full volume, just yeah. I'm like, "Fuck, that's awesome! What a great like tool to use from an audio engineering standpoint to just really beef up the epicness of how awesome this last fight is going to be." But and then when he fucking when Bre- I'm getting excited now. When yeah, go Brendan, for it. When Brendan breaks Tommy's arm, the Ugh. fucking visceral sound of that. And I he doesn't want to do it. The drama there is great because he doesn't want to do it. He's like, you have to tap out. But like, if you don't, their, I have to break your shoulder. All of their muscles are like, both yeah. mu- both both men look like they're about to explode from their skin. And then you just hear this visceral crunch. And like I stood up from when I was sitting. I was like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. It was it's really brutal. intense, man. Yeah. That's another thing, though. Like, when he stood up and couldn't use his other arm. He uh, was fighting with one hand. <laughs> every single ref on the planet would be like, we're calling this fight. It's over. Yeah. You know, but I love that they just milk that, you know, for more. But one of the things that I, like, okay, so Rocky won. You know, he doesn't win, but he goes the distance. So then Rocky two, he does win, but it's not a knockout. It's just that they're both knocked down and Rocky manages to get up before the count, you know, Rocky three, he loses a match, then wins a match. Rocky four, it's a revenge match. Rocky five, he doesn't want to do it. It's like, there's so many, there's only so many permutations of win, lose, or draw that you can have and evoke. And so I like that the final fight in warrior does not pull a cop out of, Oh, it's a tie or, Oh, there's a definitive winner. It's the guy that you want to win, even though you don't want the other guy to lose. And as they're walking out together, they don't even say a word, but I trust and know that some of the prize money that Brendan wins is going to Tommy's oh, yeah. cause. And oh, they yeah. don't even have to say it. It's been built so much that even at that ending, that isn't a cop out. Like the first time I watched that movie, that was my big fear. I was like, this is going to get to a point where I'm going to want some kind of catharsis and then they're going to refuse to fight or, you know, Brendan's going to bow out and be like, I won't do this or something like that. When he was about to do that, I was going to be incensed. Yeah. And like, and it would have been thematically appropriate, but yeah, you want that satisfying thing. I was with Frank Grillo. He's like, no, no, no. Focus focus up. You need to finish him. Yeah. That was so um, great too. And Frank Grillo's yeah. just like, it doesn't matter. Win the fight. The rest can come later. Beethoven, let's do it. And then and he like drinks about 10 it, coffees. If you think about it, Brendan winning is best case scenario for Tommy and his goals. Yeah. Because if if 
if Tommy had won, best believe that prize would have been frozen by the military police anyway. Yep. Oh yeah. He never would sure. have that that family of Manuel Miguel whatever his name was. Mm. Um, that family never would have seen a dime at least for like five ten years. Yeah, and even then it would have been a, a, a an amount that would have been offensive because that's yeah. how that's how our government does. But having having that purse go to Brendan so that he can pay for his house and honestly, and that's why I think that you're right too because they. The writing was on the wall for that a long time ago where he wasn't Brendan is not a kind of person that wants anything more than to live comfortably and give yeah. his family the, the best life possible. It so breaks his heart that that he has to fight, even though yeah. his wife does like in the Rocky movies, Adrian always wants Rocky not to fight and he just ignores her. She's treated so poorly generally. And that's why I like And how I this... like that in this, it hurts him that he, it's not yeah. a, I got to fight. You're denying me what I love. It's, this is all I know how to do. And this is the only way I can figure out how to provide for us at this moment. And it kills me that it's hurting you. And I also like how the wife in this one, even though I don't know her name or the actress, um, I like how she wasn't just a set piece. Yeah. Like in, like in the old, old style fighting movies. Where it's like, I don't want you to do this, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you can do this, but we're going to have a fucking conversation about it. And I'm going to be, I'm going to have a seat at the table. Yeah. And you're going to include me. And the fact that she was like too scared to even watch the first match. And just oh, when she shows text. up, I just got chills. When he looks when out the crowd When she shows up, it. man, I started crying again because I was like, all right, so she's finally, no, I wouldn't say fully on board, but she's swallowing her pride enough to support him now that she knows this might be a reality and i, I think that she knows that he needs her at that moment yeah like their relationship is pretty aspirational <laughs> overall like she very clearly says like even if we lose the house we will figure it out i'm confident yeah. of that i just don't want to see you hurt but like when she shows up in the crowd i'm like kind of getting choked up when she shows up in the crowd it's the same it's the same vibe as when adrian shows up at the end of the first rocky because she yeah. doesn't watch the fight and then she shows up at the end and he sees her and has that moment and swats the mics out and oh god I cry every time but that reminds me I wrote down another line a great Frank Grillo line when they go back to the corner before the final smackdown and Brendan's <clears> just like he's like listen I you know I it's he's crazy I you know I don't I don't want to do this I want to do this and uh he he says oh no sorry it's not the final one it's when he's about to fight Koba and uh, he's like losing on points, but he's got to knock him out. And Frank Grillo grabs him and he goes, if you don't knock him out, you don't have a house. Yeah, I had that like, written down too. As soon as yeah. he says that, Brendan like steals up and it's just like, he's like, let's fucking go. And it's like such a moment of. And he still know, doesn't knock him out. Still doesn't knock him out. But um, yeah. and that's another thing that's cool about, about UFC is that you can create drama out of a submission, you know, or out of yeah. a break or out of things like that. But um, that. I like that moment of if you don't knock him out, you don't have a home. Cause like one of the, one of the areas where Rocky four, I think fails is that they don't sell me on the crowd turning against Drago and turning towards Rocky because he shows heart. And like, so often it's a cop out where it's like, if you want it more, you can win. It's like, yeah, unless the other guy is more trained, but that wanting it more is a factor. And Warrior really, really sold me on that moment of if you lose, you don't have a house because Edgerton really sells the idea of like it hits him like I I don't have an option but to win. And I, you know, I, yeah. I, I have to do this. And so and I think in UFC, just the way that shot and the way that the sport works, there is more room for him to be able to kind of squeeze out a victory just based on how much he wants it. 
you know, mixed yeah. with his skill, but it, that's such a powerful moment. And it's something that you always see where someone's like, if I just grit harder and do it, I can win. And it's like, yeah, it's a small part of it, but you know, it could help. It would help if you could punch, you know, like, and so I, I think it was well, one also, of the first times where that was very successfully done. And one of the things that they do a good job of too, <clears throat> is having Brendan kind of study his opponents from across the ring during in between rounds. Yeah. And when he when he shows up to the next round, he's fighting differently. Even if it's like a, a modicum of difference, you can tell he's he's a, he's adjusting. Because and that's and that's I wrote this down too. We have two very different fighting styles. One is through this as hard as possible, and that's Tommy. And then um, uh, to it's not really drug and acid, but just the fact that he, he's drunk when we first see him. He's also and he's, he's, a, he's, angry. he's a knockout so he artist. wants to punch through everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have uh, Brendan who studies and executes strategically. Yeah. And he's a submission guy. He doesn't really yeah. take anyone out with, with a blow. Even one guy said, like, that's a very technical technical win, but I don't know if we'll see him in the third round. And then that yeah. guy should fuck up. Yeah, Brian Callen, stand-up comedian. Yeah, stand-up comedian and sexual predator. Is he really? Did he get, did oh, he yeah. get got to? Uh, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know him that much, so I knew he was a fight guy, yeah. Yes, Sarah Silverman put him on blast, and then he hasn't been anywhere else since. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and trust Sarah Silverman. That's a pretty I believable one. Yeah. <laughs> I, say, I think that's believable. Uh, I um, I, st- I started to make lists, and they didn't pan out of where Tommy and the other guy and Brendan uh, where they match up with Rocky, and so the Tommy's list was just he's kind of a bum, he's from Philly. And I said he's a vet, which is more of a Polly thing than a Rocky thing. And he runs on the train tracks of Philadelphia while wearing a gray hoodie. And then he's not in—he's not in Philly. He's in Pittsburgh. In in oh, I mean, still though in the in Pennsylvania, we'll say it then. And then right. Brendan's <laughs> were he has a wife that doesn't want him to fight Philly. And uh, in his life, there's an old man trainer who wants to train him, but who he doesn't want a relationship with because of bad blood, which is one of the, you know, that's Rocky's relationship with Mickey in the first one. But otherwise, those are really the only similarities that I could find. But one of the things that is, what is, what is the one thing that is essential to all sports movies? Hi, puppy. What is the one thing that's essential to, oh my God, what an adorable (laughs) pooch. Oh my God. What's the dog's name? Sam. Sam. That's a great name for a dog of that constitution. Sam- Samson, actually. Samson. Samson. Oh, I love it. All right. Sorry. Do- sorry. We got we got a puppy interruption. Interruption, if you will. Interruption. What's the one thing that all sports movies, especially Rocky movies, have to have? A montage. A montage. How yeah. do you do montages for four different story arcs in one movie? That's right. Oh. You picture do them all at the same time with picture in picture, cranking up the volume on whichever screen you need to watch. And that shit is a bold choice that could have bombed miserably. And it is magic. And we've that got is one a bravura. You've got one other element while Ode to Joy plays. While Ode to Joy plays. <laughs> that is one of the most like. That is a filmmaker just slamming his dick and balls on the table and being like, I am here. To show you how it's done. Because that so is I, a gamble that I, I think could have... One one missed clip, one alternate edit, and that whole thing bombs. And it 
was perfect. It develops both of their plot lines, both of their training regimens, both of their interpersonal relationships with the people that they're tense with, and develops the rules, regulations, and general sports world standing of the tournament that they're about to join. All at once. Fucking remarkable. I would like to agree, but as I said, I was kind of under the gun with finishing the movie on time. Oh and no. That was, that was one part where I had to pee. But I did <laughs> but I because of because we did mention and I stand by this 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 kind of a formulaic but expertly done formulaic movie. I I got everything just by yeah. turning up the volume and going to the bathroom and leaving the door open to listen to it. And I would funniest... suggest going back and revisiting that just for I the fuck of it. it. Also, if you ever need 10 more minutes to take in a killer montage, I'm your guy, man. I'm allowed well, that. At that point, I didn't want to admit to you my, my trespasses. <laughs> I don't give a shit, man. It's all good. Um, but We're lazy people. I... That's why we do this shit. What I will say is that I, as I was peeing, I, I was like, because at this moment, uh, Brendan's not even in the tournament yet. He's training with a dude who's going to be in the tournament. Yeah. And I was like, I, 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 in my mind, when I was peeing, I was like, I guarantee I'm going to go out there back to the TV. And that dude that's supposed to be going to the tournament is going to be on the ground with some kind of injury. And <laughs> lo, lo and behold, behold. <laughs> lo and behold, broken leg. <laughs> yep, that's how it's done. That's the thing, though. You are right. This is formula, but yeah. it is formula executed in a unique way. Uh, and and I think it works. Uh, Gavin O'Connor, the guy who directed this, also directed Miracle. Did you see that movie? Yeah, the Kurt Russell hockey movie, and uh, like we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Miracle pretty okay pretty soon here, Dan. Very nice. <laughs> well, I, he's very good at uh at at uh capturing, uh, he's very good at developing growth through through visuals. Yeah, and I think that that is true here as well as in Miracle. And actually, he did a a really wonderful uh, uh addiction slash sort of basketball movie with Ben Affleck called The Way Back. Love that movie. So good, and that is one of the most horrifying and accurate. I would not call that a sports movie, though. I wouldn't think of it so much as a sports movie. It's more of a, a, a character character study, second act coming of age movie, yeah. and an addiction movie. But the way he depicts uh, really debilitating alcoholism in that is something that I, I think it's like the best that's ever been done. Um, I would not be surprised after knowing that he directed that as well if if he didn't have problems with them in the past himself. Yeah, or just even in his family or something. Yeah. But yeah, he also did the accountant, which um, the accountant fucks too. I just saw a yeah. clip from that movie on like a Facebook uh, video hole, and I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, and I'm not on the spectrum, but I wonder if he did like a very good job of uh, cap capturing somebody who's autistic who could beat the shit out of anybody he wants. Honestly, I, I I would I would believe it because it felt real. That that movie's a bit overstuffed for me, and it also commits, yeah, it really is. It commits one really big crime, which is they introduced a garage-mounted giant Gatling fifty cal gun, and then they never use it. And it's like you're not you can't show that to me and not have him cutting people in half with that. Yeah, I'll, but I'll that movie did well though. It gave it gave us even though we already had him at one at some point. That was just another role that was like, oh shit, John Barenthal is here to stay. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. legit. He's the he's yeah. the shit. Well, he's like he's like uh, like uh, if it, and this is no shade to Frank Grillo, who I love and who I met once and was very nice. Um, Frank Grillo almost feels like TV's John Bernthal, 
and John Bernthal feels like cinema's uh, Frank Grillo, even though they're both legit movie stars. But uh, they, you know, they, they, they feel like they came out of the same egg. Can I can I sidestep and write a quick commercial right now? Yes. Yeah, please. Okay. So <laughs> let's do it. So we, we open up on a barbecue. <laughs> and it's summertime. All right. <laughs> and somebody and somebody's like i already know exactly where all of this somebody, is going one dad comes up to the other day is like hey i brought brought some peck i brought a peck of hot dogs for you to grill and then frank grillo comes in and kicks over the grill and takes the hot dogs out of that dad number one's hand and throws them over the fence and says the only franks that frank grillo grills ballpark franks <laughs> well, i thought he was gonna have his own product oh, of God. frank Frank Grillo's Grillin' Franks, and then um, if you yeah. need to, and they they actually cook really well over charcoal. But in order to get that charcoal lit, you need to use some uh, Burnthal uh, uh, lighter fluid. Burnthal <laughs> burns it all. Burnthal burns it all for wow. Franks. All right, Grillo's. so the only Franks that Frank Grillo grills <laughs> are Grillo's Franks. Are Grillo's Franks? They did. There was a. Uh, it never made it to air, but you can find it online. When Chris Pratt hosted SNL, he did a commercial for Jason Statham's Jason Stakeums, and he's playing <laughs> Jason Statham. And that's as far as the as the bit goes. Is that he kind of does a decent Jason Statham? He's got a bald cap, so it's funny. But the the tagline is, you know, Jason Statham's Jason Stakeums, the only the only steak product named after me. Uh, uh, he says the only steak product that I'm named after, which I think <laughs> I think is a mistake. I think he meant to say named after me. But I love, the idea, I love the idea that Jason Statham's Jason Stakeums came first and then Jason Statham was named by a fan <laughs> of those steak products. I also, SNL also, I don't want to derail too much, but Ham, Ham and Bubbly. I don't know if I know that one. John Ham, it's John Ham's restaurant with Mike with Michael Buble. Yes, okay, I have heard about this. I've never <laughs> seen it, but yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I love John Ham. Um, I want to see if I have any more notes here that I uh, before we uh take a I'm, break I'm into our out. list. I'm, that's Are pun intended. What? That's uh, pun intended. Uh, I tapped out. Although um, no, my last thing is this. So the my three complaints with the movie are that the dude's way too big to be a middleweight. The yeah. kids are doing an illegal move with the drive-in. And also the amount of booze, the amount of money that Nick Nolte spent on booze at that hotel must have been insane. Thank God he wasn't thank God he wasn't at the bar for a thousand days because he wasted it all in one night. Yeah. That's probably what ultimately that saved him. Yet? He was like, Well, I guess I've relapsed. No, you're good. You got me? Yeah, he's like, I guess I relapsed, but uh, I can't afford booze anymore. I spent it all on the mini bar, and the Noki. Yeah, especially that one big bottle. You know how much that big bottle would go for from the mini bar? Uh, that's got to be like 150 bucks. It's 200 easy, and that's yeah. like, it was like that was Canadian Club whiskey too, which was a, was a, was a bottom shelf whiskey. Yeah, like, that's a ten dollar bottle at the store. Yeah, the um uh. The the only thing that the one thing that that sort of stretched credibility for me, like I'm willing to forgive all those things because like, yeah, maybe the kids held a fundraiser or they just didn't give a shit. You know, maybe, uh you know, maybe uh, uh that that was the novelty was that Koba just, you know, was kind of a, a bitch or something and just only wanted to fight people smaller than him. But, you know, what bothered me is that uh Tom Hardy kicked his pill habit in a day. 
Oh, yeah. You know, I forgot about that. Yeah, cool, because he's like, get rid of those pills. You came in, you sounded like a bunch of maracas. And he's like, I know you had at least I'll three bet. of them. And that's I'll a great bet. thing. And they do show him the next morning when the dad goes to wake him up. And he's just like, I can wake myself up. And he's looking no worse for the wear. But he does not look coming off pills worse for the wear. I will bet dollars to donuts that there is a director's cut with that scene in it. His purging of the, the pills. I'd watch extra. I have the Blu-ray. There might be deleted scenes that cover that. I can see why that's cut, though, because, like, you could also just say, like, he's still coming off of it during the... Also, what's this rated? I believe it's rated R. Oh, and there's a moment that stuck with me. I don't really have much to say about it, but before Tommy's first fight training with his dad, when they're about to enter the ring, uh, the dad puts his hands on his shoulders to, like, warm him up. And he like snaps out and gives him a look that's like, don't fucking touch me, old man. And those little moments of Patty trying to bond and Tommy just being like, this is fucking business. It is no more. It is no less. You are training me. You are not my dad. Like those moments feel so lived in. And like that moment really drove it home for me and like kind of broke my heart. But I think informed both of those characters so well. And throughout the movie, there's those are what I think really gets the movie to, to where it needs to be thematically is even if there's some hammy stuff or some those little real moments of you know Tommy just don't touch me or you know whatever there's so many of those littered throughout that any any leaps in realism are immediately paved over by these things that are so realistic that other movies of this type wouldn't even consider and the only time he smiled in the whole movie was when he was talking to uh Miguel's family yeah yeah uh, it is PG thirteen, so I wouldn't be surprised if that got cut for drug use too. Yeah, that's true. Could be, and also, I mean, we're at yeah. two and a half hours. That's a lot of movie, and yeah. you know, it, I think it gets its points. It drives its points home that it's like, I, you know, personally, I could watch that. I probably in a vacuum, that stuff is probably you know, uh, you know, I think. That, but also too, like if I'm writing a movie and I've got one character whose main arc is that he's trying to stay clean. I don't need another character trying to kick a habit arc yeah. to, to sort of yeah. muddy that up. You know, like that. I, I, if it was there, it was definitely a kill your darlings moment that I think was the proper choice. Also, it's funny that your one of your favorite lines was the line about the superintendent not being in a school since nine eleven. Yeah, when this um, movie was released September 9th, twenty eleven. Whoa! Right so ahead of almost the, uh... almost the ten year anniversary. Damn damn well there you go all right i think uh that's everything i wanted to say uh, about this do you have any closing remarks in these last two minutes no what a great movie yeah great movie i'm so glad you enjoyed it i i uh i figured you would i think we're on the same page with this i cried i cheered i masturbated twice oh (laughs) dude just twice just twice all that all that beef on beef action you can only get two cum loads out of it what well, are when, you when they're like i said when their bodies were about to explode out of their skin i exploded out of mine if you know what yeah I mean. that's the way to go yeah I, I i meant to say this about that movie the way back uh to speak to uh gavin o'connor's uh strengths as a film as somebody of filming sports even the high school basketball scenes in that movie i remember seeing it in the theater And there was a couple points where people got out of their seats just with excitement, just because a short moment of the game was shot so well that it like brought you into that narrative. And that's not easy to do. I think he's uniquely talented at it. And it seems to go across basketball, hockey, UFC, uh, definitely uh, accounting. You know, he knows how to get it in. But all right, we're going to take a... Hang on. 
He also played J.J. Riley. Gavin O'Connor did? Yeah. Who's J.J. Riley? The guy that puts on the tournament. That was him? That was him. I love that even more now that they keep cutting to him. <laughs> Amazing. All right, that's a good place to take a break. Uh, we'll be back after a short break. We're going to count down our favorite sports movies. Yeah, sure we are. Yes, ah. So we're doing top five favorite sports movies? Top five favorite sports movies, and it's breaking my heart because I have six and I don't know what to cut. I'm just going on gut instinct. And um, and and technically I have seven, but I don't care because one of them gets two slots. I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna list mine off real quick. All right. Yeah, just you know, count yours down and we'll just go through them all and then I'll do mine. All right, it's both roller balls. I've actually it, only future, seen the I'm not done. Future sport. Okay. Airbud. Man's favorite sport, question mark, and the fan. So these are joke answers, I would imagine. Because <laughs> yeah. I've only seen the Rollerball remake, and I did not love it. Um, I've I've never seen Future Sports. I think it killed it killed uh, Kevin Klein. Who the fuck is in that movie? Uh, Chris Klein. Chris Klein. It killed his career. But it's also notable because uh, John McTiernan directed it, who did Die Hard. And shortly after it, I think he went to jail for some like weird finance stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it was the one case of a director simultaneously going into director jail and real jail at the same time. Now, future sport is interesting. I'd like to see that. Because do you know what it is? No, I, I I feel like I've seen like the poster of it before on the Internet. But in the year 2025, cool. Trey Ramsey played by Dean Kane. Ooh. And his... And his friend Fix with two X's, played by, that's right, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> I feel like this is a remake because I'm picturing an older movie. Because when you say Dean Kane, my interest drops to below zero. Well, this it takes place in the year 2025. It came out in the 98, though. Is so it a remake two of years away from, We're two years away from this future sport being a reality. <laughs> and they enough. created a game dubbed Future Sport to settle gang conflicts in place of violence. This sounds like the standard futuristic sports movie plot. Yeah. Vanessa wow. oh, Williams is Vanessa also Williams. In. Oh, it's directed by Ernest Dickerson, uh, who is actually notable. Ernest Dickerson uh, did like Juice. Um, did he direct Juice? <laughs> He's like a TV guy now, but he... Uh... Wait, what else did he do? He did some like major horror, I believe, back in the day. Well, why don't we start? Why don't you he directed start a lot off? of The Wire. Um, yeah, I think he did. Uh, this is going to mean nothing to you, but he did Bones. He he did this. Is what I thought: Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, Juice. Yeah, Ernest Dickerson's legit, but Future Sport does not appear to also be legit. Why don't we you start? <clears throat> because I might hit one of the ones you're thinking about cutting, and then you don't have to cut it at all. Okay. It's just a lot of them are on here for like similar reasons. So, um, but that's because okay. They're so. all sports movies. That's why. <laughs> well, no, but like you'll see what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so all of these things have something in common. I wonder that what that could be. All right. So, you know, I'll just, I'll call this one an honorable mention and I'm just going to throw it out of the way just because I think it's a brilliant movie, but I don't know if I can call it a sports movie, but I think I, Tanya is brilliant. And I think that there's aspects of it that could be a sports yeah. movie despite it being a comedy, but we'll throw I that away. It, I would call it a sports movie. 
you know, it is about her development. Because one thing I loved about I, Tanya is that the legacy of Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan and all that is the scandal. But I, Tanya reminds us that Tanya Harding, for all her problems and issues or whatever she had, was a fucking tremendous athlete. Like, mm-hmm. tremendous athlete. One of the best figure skaters <laughs> ever. And had her story been slightly different, the conversation around her would be based on that. And I think I, Tanya drives that home. Also, it the also first time that I, said. like... Uh, it's just also the first time that I was like, oh, Sebastian Stan can do even more than the winter shoulder. So, you know. The winter shoulder? Yeah, that's what I call him for fun. Because he has a, a shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, it goes to your point from Warrior, where it's like, it is a movie about somebody who will fucking wants it more. Yeah. yeah she yeah. wants it more and she puts in the work. But, all right. So, my actual number five. I'm going to do, and it's such a cop-out, you're going to see how much I love boxing movies, but I think that Antoine Fuqua's Southpaw is an excellent boxing movie. I thought movie. it was going to be my turn. One of the, I, I, Tanya, was just an honorable mention I threw away. So okay. we're starting here. Uh, South Southpaw. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a guy who uh, has a really fucking shit attitude, but he's a good fighter. Due to his shit attitude, an out-of-the-ring squabble occurs that gets his wife killed and his daughter taken away from him. And he has to essentially start at square one, and it all leads up to a fight where everything's on the line. It's extremely formulaic, but like Warrior, I think that it earns its emotional beats. His trainer is Forrest Whitaker, and it's a it's a really hardcore performance from Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's another one that gets like the final fight when everything's on the line is it's like scary how deeply emotional and intense it is and it makes me cry every time i think southpaw is of, underrated at the risk of maybe exposing something else on your list have you seen live for this oh the uh, miles teller one yeah yeah i i saw that it's not on my list but that was a good movie that's similar to kind of the journey that you just described so that's, yeah i haven't seen southpaw but that's what that's what that reminded me of i think you'd like southpaw it's like a little grittier you know it are you just playing with a switchblade Oh my god! <laughs> All right, it's not I, it's not a switchblade, but it does have a mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, you are in Texas. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fidgeter, dude. I, I, I need to fidget while I talk about stuff. Otherwise, it's just I, funny. Like my train of thought. In in Philly, you know, you might find yourself fidgeting with a pen, but in Texas, you're fidgeting with a fucking hunting knife. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just sitting right here on the desk. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, it's what's available at the time. Well, on, hot so... property, on hot property, I tried to unlock my dad's gun cabinet to no avail. So <laughs> go, listen, go listen to that episode. <laughs> All I can do to compete is I'm currently, I've got two two pairs of scissors on my, uh, and, you, and you know why I have two pairs of scissors? <laughs> it's because... Uh, two times in my life, someone has given me scissors because I am a southpaw. Left, left-handed, yeah. And so you you tend to hoard your lefty scissors when you got them. You know what? All that right. makes that makes sense that you would like that movie because it is you know it it represents you in a way. Yeah. Well, and what's cool about it is it is um, it's a it's it's like a feature length of in Rocky again with Rocky. The whole thing is uh we're gonna. You know, you're just a bruiser, but we're going to teach you how to actually fight. You know, that kind of thing. It's like Jake Gyllenhaal's character is, you're a bruiser. We're going to teach you how to actually fight. We're also going to teach you how to fight right-handed. So, 
you can switch to southpaw at the last minute and fuck everybody's game up and so like there's a lot of like cool boxing strategy in it but i like i like southpaw a lot i i think uh, i think you would enjoy it and we'll definitely have to watch it so that's my five yeah i'll check it out all right what Um, do you got five for me is gonna be field of dreams now i haven't seen that since high school i don't really remember it dude i love that movie so much but also you know me i'm a baseball guy i do think it is uh there's something romantic about and we'll get to this we'll get to this line later because it's also on the list okay there's something very romantic about the pace of baseball and you know like thinking about just this past fall where you had a moment in the phillies run to the world series where they were playing uh i believe the san diego padres and if they didn't win this it was a a winner take all game bottom of the eighth inning two outs bryce harper walks up to the plate and everybody fucking knew what was going to happen yeah like this is the moment behold this motherfucker hits a home run and the crowd just fucking goes insane everybody at the bar i was at we all just went crazy and just these like moments that have very little time but such amount immense amounts of pressure that build up between pitcher and catcher mm-hmm. and it's either going to release in a great way or fizzle out and yeah you know that, that'd be a, pitcher a sigh way. yeah and or unless you know unless your team is pitching and then you get that final that final strike for an out and then it's even more exciting well, it's like but when it's we won go, the World Series and Lynch threw that last one pitch. Of two ways. Oh. Yeah. It's going to go either one of two ways. And having like a series of these events where it could go either way. And it's just to, for me, that pace and that setting for a baseball movie or a baseball or a sport, I mean, makes baseball one of my favorite sports. Yeah. Field of Dreams, however companies that with father issues so it's one of my favorite films <laughs> yeah dude father issues will always get me yeah i think it's yeah. something that's key to our generation because we all have boomer parents and thus you know potentially strained uh relationships but it's also it's like a, a, it's a movie it's a sports movie within a sports movie because the underdog here is this guy who has an insane like harebrained idea and essentially he you know his wife's like are you going crazy like is god talking to you yeah do you have do you actually have a tumor yeah yeah um and so the fact that like he's playing from he's playing underdog in both idea and uh kind of execution Mm. um but then at the end not only are their cars lined up to go see baseball happen in this little like podunk town but MLB has now, over the last three years, held a yep baseball game in a cornfield in Iowa because of how beloved this movie has become. And I think that meta that that meta ness of like the pop culture makes it the movie even better. Does that mean you you also really like the Mighty Ducks because the Anaheim Ducks came out of that in the real world? Fuck yes, I do. <laughs> now, I, uh... I also love I also love the Mighty Ducks animated series that was on the Disney Channel growing oh. up. Fuck, I forgot about that. They were yeah. like superheroes. Where they were yeah. superheroes. They were essentially Mighty Ducks. They were Duckmen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, I have not seen Field of Dreams since uh, like my like uh, AV, <laughs> AV teacher made us watch it as like an example of a good film in high school. So I rejected it then because I was 17 and eh. But um, I would You're love like, to I watch it again. Boondock Saints. That's a good yeah, movie. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a ghost of a baseball player. James James Earl Jones delivers one of the great speeches 
in this uh, movie. And I'm not going to try to recreate it, but please look it up on YouTube. I'm going to watch um, the movie, honestly, now that you mentioned it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I owe it. It's so good. Anyway, all right, go ahead with number four. I, wanna, I don't want to keep taking up time here. All right, number four, a little atypical, but I think it counts. Happy Gilmore. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it it you uses can, so the structure it's, it's sports, of a tournament. If sports are a category of movie. Yeah. Right. There needs to be room for comedic sports movies. Absolutely. I mean, my next you know, three are all comedic. Dramas. Yeah. But what I like about it is he does follow the same arc. He does have dad issues because his dad died when he was a kid. Yeah. Um, he's got like need to prove himself issues because he's like a good hockey player, but he, he has a problem. Either. He doesn't want it. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't want to do the thing. Um, it does have Apollo Creed in it. And it's, you know, it, they the final the final arc of that movie is a golf tournament. And I actually learned a lot about how golf standings work. I learned what a pro-am was. Uh, all these little golf things I learned through Happy Gilmore. And I don't, I think golf is just, I don't want to say I hate golf because I like hitting balls at the driving range, but I think golf is just like an egotistical, pretentious activity for shitty rich people. But uh, I do get why they like it. It's very low on the list for me. But Happy Gilmore is, is, it taps into that because he is the underdog that that kind of shakes up the whole golf thing. And it's just like, I haven't watched Happy Gilmore probably in like five years, but there's definitely been a period in my life where I didn't watch it for five years and then watched it again. And it was just as fucking funny as ever. Like that is a it funny, also, funny movie. It also has one of the best sports villains ever. Shoot him again. And um, recently I was, like, I guess like post pandemic, like the first year out, I was I I, I watched all of Modern Family because I like sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea that Julie Bowen, the mom in that movie, was the hottie in Happy Gilmore. She was the love interest, <laughs> and yeah. I believe she returns once again to be the love interest in Hubie Halloween. Oh God! You know, did you watch that? It's like very. It's... No, I didn't watch Hubie Halloween. In the film world, people are like, this is actually a pretty solid Adam Sandler movie. And I'm going to disagree, but it is funny at points. I will no, say that. Yeah. There's no, even if you're like, hey, let's do a movie movie episode about Hubie Halloween. There's no fucking way <laughs> I'm going to be doing that. I, now, Dan, Dan, sidebar real quick. I want you to save this audio for Halloween for when you eventually <laughs> convince me to do a Hubie Halloween episode. No, honestly, dude, no. I, there's there's very little in me that wants to do a Hubie Halloween episode. And I love horror movies more than any other genre. So yeah. it, during Halloween times, we're not going to be using those slots for Hubie Halloween. You don't good. have to worry about it. <laughs> if anything, I might send you a clip from the movie to watch on YouTube and you'll be good to go. Yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, that's the, and I will second that. That is all you need. But yeah, my number four is Happy Gilmore, which also I saw that before I ever saw Rocky. So that was my introduction to Carl Weathers. Nice. Yeah, he was chubs. I think it was mine too. It's all in the hips. It's all in the hips. Nice little Kevin Nealon. Circular, circle, into the hole. Yeah. Focus, you know, it's just such a great movie. You're going to die. It's so quotable. Uh, my number four is The Replacements. Oh, right on. I don't yep. remember this much at all. I do remember there's a lot of great. There's a lot of great Keanu Reeves scenes in this movie, and one of them is him practicing playing football underwater because 
Lord knows that's how you get good at football. Well, there is an argument to be made. Like boxers will run underwater because of the resistance. No, he's then he's throwing a football <laughs> underwater. I know I, I'm no trainer, but I can't really figure out the utility of that. So I'll give it to you. But my the quintessential scene in this one is so it's all about Orlando the, Jones. Uh, I know that the was NFL the Orlando Jones, Jones era. Yeah, the Orlando Jones bit is good. The good OJ in football. Um, God damn it, that was good. Thanks. Um, so the NFL is like on strike, and so they just bring in a bunch of scabs, the B team, the replacements, yeah. if you will, the little giants, and, if you will. Yeah. And so there's a moment where the kid, the, towards the end of the movie, where the kicker who just doesn't give a shit, he's a he's a Brit, he plays soccer, that's why yeah. he's a kicker on the team. Who plays? Them? He doesn't give a shit about anything that's going on, but he bet against. Oh, he made a bet. I forget how it goes. He made a bet. It's a complicated he movie. He hasn't. I don't think he made a kick the entire. Uh, he didn't. He didn't have to make a kick the entire time. So he bet on the final game that he wouldn't make a kick. And so then, lo and behold, he, he comes down to, to the kick. kick. Yeah. He sees like some British mafiosos in the stands, and he makes a plea to Keanu Reeves last minute. He's like, "They're going to take my bar away. I'm going to be. They're going to break my leg." Oh, no, I'm not gonna break my leg. He's gonna take my bar away. They're gonna take all my money. Blah blah blah. And so Keanu Reeves, instead of setting up the ball to snap, runs the ball into the end zone himself, so he doesn't have to make the kick at all. Nice. But because he still goes for the kick, this is where I got confused earlier. He still goes for the kick, kind of goes head over heels, and then does break his leg. So he's out of the game. <laughs> so he's completely, so he's completely safe for the rest of the game because Keanu Reeves sacrificed uh, him and his leg to. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure he's okay in, in the long run. What a guy! Which is a very, which is a very Keanu move. Very Keanu move. The annexation of Puerto Rico. Sorry, I'm just going to keep yeah. referencing Little Giants. Fumble Ruski. Little Giants is, is probably my um, my cutoff. Like that would be my my six Little Giants. Oh yeah, Little Giants is very very classic movie. The fridge. But I already have. I already have like three football movies on this list. I didn't want to just make it football and baseball. So, all right, what's your number three? I mean, mine is all is mostly hockey and boxing. So it is what it is. Uh, my number three, another fantastic comedy that I think bridges the gap between hockey and boxing. Have you seen Goon? Love Goon. Goon's great. Uh, Love Goon. It, it just a, uh, you know, it is a hockey movie, but it does ultimately culminate in a knockdown throwout battle at center ice between two with goons. Lev Schreiber. With Lev Schreiber. Um, and uh, I, I remember watching this movie thinking, yeah, it'll be funny. And by the time they throw down in the middle, I was like jacked up and ready to see this fight happen the same way that I would be at the end of a Southpaw, you know, where it's like, fuck, th- I, this is this, this shit matters. But uh, it's a very funny movie. It's very well done, and and I think that that they build up to that final fight in a way that is earned in both a character level and in a plot level, and it's executed in a way that is very thrilling, uh, rather brutal, and quite funny, which is really the definition of hockey at its best. And yeah. so uh, I I love Goon. I have not seen the sequel. I heard that it pales in comparison, but um, I'd be willing to check it out. But I really yeah. thinking about it. I'd like to rewatch Goon before I do anything. I did not want to watch it either. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? No, this is unrelated. Yeah. What is it about Kevin Costner that says let's put him in a sports movie? 
I th- well, I think that his uh he he fits in baseball because like the the image of baseball, especially something like Field of Dreams, is white sh- white dude shaved face, yeah. good good old country boy, and I think that um uh, Costner can portray that. But he also has sort of like a scholarly nature to himself, so he's like really good at elevating in that in that realm. Well, the other thing is he's been in he's been in six sports movies. I'll, it says eight here, but I'm gonna okay. call six. So, uh, for Love of the Game, directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, Bull Durham. Yeah, that's so we've named three of his baseball movies now. Yeah. Um, is Tin Cup his golf movie? Tin Cup is, is here, yes. If you can name the last... I'm sorry. There's actually seven. If you can name two of the last three, um, I'll give you a Buffalo Nickel. I got to say, I, I Tin Cup kind of extended me to, to all I have. I can't think of a single thing. He was in a movie called American Flyers. I don't know that one. Which was about... Um, the bike Philadelphia racing. Flyers. Oh, okay. Uh, he was in a movie about called McFarland USA. I saw that about about cross country track. Yep, <laughs> which is and actually it's kind of okay. It's not great. Most recently, uh, that was the most recent one. I forgot about McFarland USA. My God! Well, American Flyers, dude, was nineteen eighty five. Damn. Yeah, Costner's um, been been working forever, man. Uh, draft day with um, Chadwick Boseman and John Hamm, right? And John Hamm, yeah. I didn't see that. I heard that was decent, though. I might watch that tonight, actually. It's been kind of, it's been on my list, and now I've learned my lesson from Warrior. Just watch what's on your list. Watch yeah. Watch what's on your list. Everybody. Go through your list. I'd watch Draft Day. All right, um, so what? what's your, no, uh, my three was Goon. What's your three? Number three for me is probably going to be, it's, it's, it's kind of unorthodox, but I'm going to put it in anyway, but the short animated film, Dear Basketball, that won the Oscar for best short film. Last night, um, I drunkenly fell down a Wikipedia hole, spawned by Kobe, because I was I was I was essentially reading about how a helicopter can can crash, yeah. and it was and it was because a link to Dear Basketball showed up in my feed, and then because I am who I am, that spiraled into me researching helicopter faults. So uh, Dude, that it's in the ether, but yeah, Dear Basketball is great, man. That's a that's a well deserved so Oscar. It's tight, it's concise, it it's emotional, and the animation is fantastic. And, and you know what? I got to say it. I I'm not. I did not follow basketball, so like I didn't have any particular knowledge of, <laughs> of Kobe Bryant. I know he was rather beloved. The only knowledge that I had of him was just that his name existed, and he was apparently good at basketball. And when I saw Dear Basketball, it made me like him because I went. This guy's good at basketball because he really, really loves and respects it, and that made me respect him. I, I that's a great choice, if you ask me. Well, that was that was like one of his very good um, characteristics of the person is that he, and this is corroborated by everyone that he's ever met. He would have like dinners and invite people that he thought were the best of the best in their fields, mm. and he would invite them to dinner and like just pick their brain. And ask them like what makes them tick and what makes them work because he wanted to be the best at everything. And, and he so was a damn was, good player. When he was writing this stuff, he wanted to write it the best way possible, and he wanted to make sure that it was the best it could possibly be because that's just who he was as a person. And like that, and like when you talk again about wanting it more, he wanted it more. He wanted all of it too. And apparently, put the work in to back it up. Yeah, yeah, that movie and like that movie 
watching it, like I said, with no, with no con, like, you know, with only a vague concept of what Kobe meant to people and really only like a vague fandom of basketball. Like I enjoy it. I'll watch a game here and there. But like, I remember being profoundly moved when I saw Dear Basketball, when I went to see the shorts collection. And it was just, it was one of those where when I watched the Oscar shorts that year, as soon as that one played, I was like, well, that one's going to win. Yeah. And and, and it deserved it completely. And because his legacy is so fucking large, it's hard to remember that he's from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, I learned that last night when I was on his yeah. Wikipedia page. I was like, oh, he, he, went, was born he here. went to lower. He went to Lower Marion High School. That's incredible. R.I.P. Man, that was a loss that I didn't feel when it happened because, again, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I know he was beloved. But the more I learn about him, the more I recognize how how big of a loss that was for a lot of yeah. people when he passed. And you know, you, you hate to see anybody go that way. And, be, and it sucks because, like, and this is a problem with the with the sports news cycle is that because he hasn't won as many championships, he's never in the talk with Jordan or LeBron about who's the best. Yeah. But as far as like being an actual person and a, yeah. a caring, loving, hardworking person, uh, it's Kobe Bryant Hall of Fame every day. Nice. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like everybody acknowledges that Michael Jordan's the best, but everybody's also like, yeah, he's the best. Fucking dickhead though. Like, like that's always the uh the, he's a real asshole the real afterthought asshole. is he's yeah. an af- he's just a crazy person yeah that i never would have thought of that even though i was thinking about that movie last night that's a very good entry i commend you thank you i feel commended what's your number two my number two <laughs> is uh the classic hockey movie with paul newman Slapshot. yeah Slapshot, and also i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback on paul newman and say the hustler was also on my list of edits yeah hustler's really good uh paul newman won his sole oscar for the sequel to the hustler uh scorsese's only sequel i believe uh what's it called uh the color of money color of money yeah i almost said for for the love of the money which is for the love of the game money (laughs) wall street uh slap shots just like uh, it's george roy hill who did um butch cassidy and sundance which is Mm -hmm. you know classic um but yeah, it's just a, it's sort of like Goon in that it's a hockey team that's not making any money. So they bring on the Hanson brothers. No, not the Umbop kids, the Hanson brothers, the bespectacled <laughs> uh, Canadian uh, hockey goons. And they say, hey, if we can't win, the least we can do is fill seats by being a bunch of bruisers. And that, you know, that speaks to Philly in a way because we were the Broad Street bullies for an era, yep. which was sort of what we were doing. But it's also like it's like a real fucking funny movie. And uh, it's just one of those like classic new Hollywood uh, entries that it, it's always going to be on my list of favorite sports movies because it's just so entertaining. It's very well made. The way that the hockey shot is very hockey is shot is like very meat and potatoes, straightforward, um, just very well done. And it is so funny. And it's also one of the first movies as a kid where I was watching it with my dad and uh, just uh, uh, some titties showed up. And my dad was always weird about nudity in movies, but this was one where he didn't see it coming. And then the titties popped up. And when I was like 10, it was just like, (laughs) it was like, got one by him. For me, that was uh, the art of war. Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah, my number two yep. slap shot, which I might watch later I because think I've every seen teenage every teenage boy had that moment where they were like watching a movie with their parents, like, oh fuck, I'm yep. not supposed to be seeing this. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'll never forget the time that I was watching Bride of Chucky. And at the end of Bride of Chucky, when the burnt to a crisp girl Chucky doll starts giving birth, my mom walked in the room and she saw it and she was like, Daniel, 
the hell are you watching? And I was like, Mom, there's no it's amount porn. of I was like, there's there's no amount of time that can get you to where you need to be to understand yeah. what's going on on screen. Like you're just gonna have to trust me that this makes sense because yeah. this is this is a we're like six movies deep and this is just I can't just yeah. go leave go do something else and forget. It's like I can't get you here. It's just not gonna happen. All right, what's your two? Uh, I, I didn't realize there we'd have a, out of ten movies we'd have a third of them be hockey movies, which I'm okay with. I mean, hockey is probably my second favorite sport to watch behind it boxing. Is, it is miracle. Ah, miracle rules. Miracle. I mean, what's what is left to be said about this movie that hasn't already been said? Yeah, I mean, there's it's one thing that we can say: Kurt Russell. Yeah, I mean that's been said though. But do we? Not, I thought we didn't mention him yet, but eh, whatever. I mean, like I'm talking not like us. I'm talking about in general. This movie is like nationally and globally beloved for being one of the best sports movies ever. Oh yeah, it's and it's a like a family speech. movie. Yeah. And it's directed by the same guy who did Warrior, which makes a lot of sense because even in that scene where he's making them do sprints back and forth until like that one guy comes in, he's like, hey, maybe we should give him a rest. Like, no, we're not. We're not giving a rest because you know what? They're not going to rest. Are you think they're resting right now? Back and forth. Go. Yeah. You know what I like about Miracle is it's not it doesn't build up to the big game. It, it, It builds up to a big game. That's big for everybody involved, but it's not the yeah. final game of that thing. It's like the third, it's like the third, the semifinal. Yeah, but it's enough. It's, it's again, like Rocky, it's not about the win. It's about the work beating you put in and, be, and it's about beating those rooski bitches. Yeah. The, uh, but um, <laughs> the Red Army. No, I, I, uh, I considered putting this on my list, but I pretty much figured it was going to be on yours. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, right on. Good choice. Right, so what's, what's number one? We can skip. We can. Everyone knows Miracle. Everyone knows how great it is. We can just go right past. It. Well, we can actually breeze right past this. I actually squeezed two into it because I can't decide which one's better. But my number one slot is always going to be set for Rocky and Creed because yeah. I think that Creed is as good, if not better, than Rocky, but requires Rocky in order to work. And uh, the Rocky franchise is probably my favorite film franchise in existence. I love yeah. it so much. But I think that whereas Rocky is a moving, mo- a moving, beautiful film about an underdog that created a career for one of my favorite stars that still has power to this day, it is dated a little bit. And Creed modernized it, gave a compelling new hero, gave a very solid, you know, almost farewell and passing of the torch and updated what Philly looks like and is to a modern day thing. And also features, I would say, the best boxing photography in oh, any yeah. in any boxing movie ever. And um, just it's they're both just also absolutely tremendous achievements. Phenomenal soundtrack, and they're just both tremendous achievements in what sports cinema can be. And uh, I I just I love it. The Philly of it, the boxing of it, the Stallone of it, the MBJ of it, um, and you know, saying in the Rocky movies, Adrian always gets sidelined. Well, the female interest, and I'm not going to remember her name, but um, uh, Tessa Thompson. I know Tessa Thompson, the character's name, though, but like uh, she becomes a full character as opposed to, yeah. you know, the the, the you know, nagging wife. Yeah. And, uh, you know, making Rocky into Mickey makes sense. And it's just the, the whole thing just really works. And it's got two great moments that always get me. One is when 
uh, they're holding up fingers in front of Creed and he can't see him. And it's a playoff of the time where they, they cut Rocky's bruise to drain the swelling so that he can get one more round in. And Stallone's holding him and they're like, how many fingers are we holding up? And Stallone taps on his neck how many fingers yeah. it is because he knows he can't see but he knows he's not going to throw in the towel that always gets me and the the one line that kills me is when adonis says i just want to prove that i wasn't a mistake and that's like it's heartbreaking because he's living in the shadow of yeah. his dad and he's trying to prove like i'm my own man i'm not my dad but then it turned and you know he was a out of wedlock baby that was abandoned by his father but he proves and redefines the Creed name and gives it a new legend. And he self-defines, but also honors the fact that like, you know, I, I may have been a mistake in one way, but like I've transcended that and I'm, I'm good because I put in the work and it, it just, that, that floors me. Like when I watched it in the theater, it wrecked me every time I've watched it since then, I have to like pause the movie and pace when he drops that line. Cause it's just, it just fucking gets me, man. I Creed yeah. is so phenomenal. I, it's just, when it comes to legacy sequels, it has never been done better, and it probably never will be done better. No, I never say never, but for, for in our lifetime, I think we're good. That's why I said probably. Yeah. All right. Hit us with your one. We got five minutes before want, the clock runs out. Any given Sunday. It's any given Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> I mean, if you talk about just all-time that speeches, speech. That speech. It's so killer. As Al Pacino. I I still, whenever I am looking to get hyped up or even looking for some spiritual guidance, I will put that speech on just to like get myself into a space where anything, most everything can be overcome. Yeah. And if, if you can't, then you get, at least you have people behind you that will die with you as well. Yep. The value is that even if you know you're going to fail, you have to play as if you're going to win because that's the only way you'll possibly eke out that win. Plus, the the way that, and like like you said about Creed. And there's and, victory uh, in doing your best. Like you said about Creed, this is some of the best football photography ever. Yeah. And like, and it's so visceral and campy. Like the dude's eye pops out on the field. Like, yeah. And like, in a, and it's, even though like we joke about that, there, there, there was a very scary situation this year where a dude had a heart attack on the field. That was horrifying footage, too. Yeah. Um, it's the gridiron. Yeah. It's fucking war. These guys yeah. are giant and men slamming into one another. They also touch in about, like, you know, people getting, you know, bitten by the success bug and, like, going out and partying too much. Like, they're, like, the, and, like, even the ins and outs of the, the management of a football team. And like Cameron Diaz plays a great role about a woman trying to be in a like make her way in a boys club. She's exceptional in that movie. Way. Really great. And just everybody brings their A game. We got Jamie Foxx, LL Cool J, a young Randy Quaid. All these people just bring their. Even though he's a legit crazy person in real life, anytime that James Woods can march into a movie for a scene or two, it gets better. Yeah. When and he marches like in the, and gives his cast... angry speech, unbelievable. And that was that Michael Mann? No, it's Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone, okay, yeah. But, like, just the way that it's shot, the storyline, the, the acting, the, the fucking speech, everything is just so great. And they do a really great job of making you believe, even though they couldn't get the NFL rights. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. They, they do a really they create great a good job league, yeah. of making you believe that, like, this is a real league. Yeah. This has been around forever. 
you're now in an ultimate you're in the multiverse of madness now where this, this is the <laughs> nfl in a world where al pacino is a head coach the thing is though that that's like galaxy brain casting right there though al pacino yeah. is head coach because it's always some little guy who's a little wiry a little on edge but he gets the could probably never play football for a second but goddamn he knows the game. this is a very small thing but like even the way in that speech where he's handling a rolled up piece of paper is like yeah. such a coach thing to do I was uh over the summer. I went on a big Pacino kick because I read The Godfather and watched all the Godfathers, and I started going through his work. And like, he's he's the he's the best actor we've ever had. He's so fucking good. He can do anything, yeah. and he's this little tiny guy. He can do anything, but he's Don Pacino. I knew it was going to be any given Sunday. I knew it before yeah. as soon as we we came up with the list idea. That's I was like, we're, we're going to talk about any me. given Sunday. When you text me, because like the one thing I didn't need to remember is that we were doing top five sports movies. Yeah. What I needed to remember is when we were doing the podcast and to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's why I texted you back when you were like, "Don't forget top five sports movies." Like, Dan, I don't need a list for that. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. I knew it was any given Sunday. Well, yeah. thus concludes our uh, sporting episode in honor of the upcoming Creed three. So uh, you can check out Warrior Threed. Creed, but one of the E's or both are threes. I don't know how we do it. It's just all threes, and we just know it's Creed. And um, starring Michael Three Jordan. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's his directorial debut. But uh, yes, yeah, so thank you everybody for tuning in. You can find uh, Warriors on HBO Max. I think you can get it anywhere uh, you want to do a VOD. Uh, you can find the show at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. You can check out everything I do at scullyvision.com and you can check out our other show, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod on all of the things. Reminder, we'll be bouncing back and forth between these bi-weekly, so uh, stay tuned to both feeds. Plenty of cool stuff coming your way. Steven, is there anything you would like to plug? Yeah, just don't... When you go to watch Warrior and HBO Max, there is another show called Warrior with um, Andrew Koji about yeah. um, the... Uh, uh the wild west that's not what we're talking about yeah not that nor the show that um wait is that the one that was written by bruce lee yes yeah i i actually would like to watch i believe that, but, yeah. so it's it's i saw the first season pretty good yeah it seems um, cool uh, now just follow us at hot property pod um follow my dog at bb underscore the corgi i'll bring that into this one too there you go let's see if anybody let's see if any of the movie movie listeners let's follow my dog at bb8 underscore the corgi on instagram bb8 underscore the corgi uh we have less than a minute we still haven't had a official sign off so we should just do what we did with the last one which was and that's been movie movie bye 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 <laughs>